Um. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. Prepare for takeoff, and away we go. It is Scoop Podcast episode 248, first airing on this Friday night, the 9th of August on Score North. ScoreNorth.com, TGIF 1500 Faithful, 1500 AM on your conventional radio dial. We'll focus here in the first segment on a couple great pitching stories, Major League Baseball pitchers. First, I want to thank a new sponsor of the Scoop Podcast. It is Hope Fieldhouse. I'll tell you about Hope Fieldhouse, a cause that they are behind that is near and dear to my heart in just a bit. But let's begin with Nick Anderson, Crosby native, former Twins minor leaguer. Heck, spent one summer here in the Twin Cities pitching for a town ball team. He is now one of the best relievers in the American League. He pitches for the Tampa Bay Rays just a few days ago, right at the trade deadline. The Miami Marlins moved him to the Rays. The Twins had a chance about this time last year to add him to the 40-man. He was worthy of a call-up. Should have been called up last September. The Twins chose not to add him to the 40-man. Then they had another opportunity to add him to the 40-man last December. They did not. They then exposed him to the Rule 5 draft. The Miami Marlins took him, so he began the year with the Marlins, and the Marlins cashed in because he has been that good all year long, and they got back a couple good prospects in a trade with the Tampa Bay Rays right at deadline day, July 31st. Anyway, Nick is right now in Seattle. The Rays have a series with the Mariners. Let's catch up with... Nick Anderson. Nick, I appreciate you doing this again. We had a fun chat going back when, I guess, when you made debut with Miami going back to April. So it's now been, what, like seven, eight, nine days that you've been a member of the Tampa Bay Rays organization. Has it slowed down? Has the whirlwind slowed down? Has it hit you that you're right now in the heart of a playoff race? Yeah, it definitely is uh, starting to slow down for sure. Um, It was a crazy, crazy few days, and then getting in and meeting everybody um, with the Rays, it was well, it's a little crazier um, mid-season, so um, yeah, it's been uh, it's been good, definitely. What was trade deadline day like? I mean, let's circle back to July thirty-first. I mean, were you were you mashing on your phone? Were you constantly checking like Twitter, or did you just relax and figure, you know what? There's no way the Marlins are trading me. Well, I'm not too much of a social media person, anyways, to to begin with, so um, I don't really get on and. I don't get too involved in that stuff because, I mean, ultimately, you know, my, my job is to, to perform and play baseball, so I can't, you know, I, I don't really have any control over what else happens. So I was just kind of, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't really think anything of it. Um, it, it caught me by surprise. So I, I didn't think, I didn't think, I guess, I mean, my first year in the big leagues that, you know, I'd be traded. So I really wasn't paying too much attention, and I figured, you know, if it happens, it happens anyway, so. Uh, it, it caught me by surprise, though. I mean, I suppose it's just it's another chapter in your amazing story, right? I mean, 29 <laughs> years old, you're a rookie, you get traded after you blow up, after you have all the success, finally making it to the majors with the Marlins, right? But, I mean, we've told your story before, but, I mean, you have as unique a story, as unique a path as about anybody in the game to get to the major league. So I suppose you getting traded is just another chapter in the book. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, I guess when you look at it like that, um, yeah, I mean, I guess maybe it fits in fits in perfectly. <laughs> I mean, how much do you reflect on the journey, Nick? And we don't need to go down every single path, but, I mean, it's out there. I mean, you spent some time in jail, right? I mean, you pitched here in the Twin Cities for, was it the Tri-City Sharks, a town ball yeah. team? You played in, what, some independent leagues? I mean, it was one heck of a journey just to join affiliated baseball with the Twins a few years ago. Yeah, you, you know, I don't, you know, I've been asked that question uh, quite a few times, and I, I don't really sit and reflect on it a whole lot, to be honest. Um, I kind of, like like you said, everybody, everybody kind of has a path, you know, um, getting to the big leagues. Everybody's got a story. So... I always just kind of, you know, and that's the cool thing about baseball. You know, everybody has a different path. You know, there's very few people that's just clear cut, you know, straight to the big league. So that that's what's fun, you know, getting to know other guys too, and, and hearing and hearing their paths and stories. Um, so I, I don't. I kind of just took it, um, even in the midst of my path. You know, it. 
I kind of just took everything day to day and just, you know, I took, I took it more as part of the process. Um, just part of my path, I guess, get it, you know, getting to the big leagues. So to, to me, I don't think, you know, I don't look at it. I'm like, wow, yeah, that's a special path or, you know, I'm a special person because of the path or, or anything like that. Um, it just, that was kind of, that's what happened in my life. And, um, that's the, the path that, you know, whether that's the path that I was supposed to go on, um, or, or not, you know, that, uh, it, it is the path that I took. So it, uh, to me, it's just kind of a normal, you know, and that's what's, that's, what's crazy about life is, you know, things happen and, mm-hmm. um, everybody has different paths. So we're talking with Nick Anderson, Crosby native Tampa Bay Rays reliever have you found yourself though because you're now in a new organization with a new team i mean certainly is it safe to think i mean heck i'm i'm bringing it up right now but have some of the tampa media brought up your backstory to you so do you find yourself over the last week just retelling the story a little bit yeah, a little bit you know obviously all the media and everybody's getting to know me too i'm a, I'm a new face so uh, they've never got a chance to talk to me before so They've they've asked questions about the backstory and, and my past, so I've definitely I've definitely had to talk about it again. Um, just kind of kind of like when I went to the Marlins, you know, um, I, I had to talk to everybody and and tell them. Which I mean, you know, I don't have a problem doing it either because it's it's my story and that's been my past. So um, it uh, yeah, I can I can ramble on about it too, you know. So like when somebody asks me a question and. Because I don't have a problem talking about anything, so it, I, I've definitely definitely had to talk about it a um, couple a couple times to a couple of the guys. So it it definitely, I guess it's kind of a trip down memory memory lane. I guess if you if you wanted to say that, sure. Well, I mean, all the memories. I mean, I guess like put it this way: if you never pitched another pitch in the majors, just getting to the majors, getting here to this point, just sort of validate everything that you went through and forget the time that you got in some trouble and, and landed in jail. But I'm even just thinking about, like, didn't you spend some time here in the Twin Cities, what, like four or five summers ago, remodeling homes? I mean, you pitched town ball. Just everything you experienced, I guess, off the field, on the field, just to get to this point, like, you did it, right? Like, just what is that sense of satisfaction? It, it definitely feels good um i i know especially for especially for my family too um you know they they might be happier than than i am um i'm obviously very happy that i made my goal um and my dream come true so it's it, it feels good um yeah it's i don't know it's it's been a it's honestly it's been a crazy year um and it's you know, I, I I always had the belief, or like I, I knew it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just didn't know when. You know, like that's that's something that we're not in control of. So we can only, you know, go every day and and do the best that we can, or try to do the best that we can, and and just have that ultimate belief. You know, like hey, it's going to happen. So just keep keep doing your thing, um, and and at some point it'll happen so it's kind of it's kind of crazy that it's all happened this year so it's 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 been it's been exciting nick you say that it's been a crazy year it's been something else it's been a very successful year i mean entering this weekend series in seattle i mean i'm looking at some of the numbers 75 strikeouts in 46 and two-thirds innings is ridiculous like you're one of the best strikeout relievers in all of baseball i mean any way you want to cut and, and slice up your numbers they match up with just about any reliever in the game. I mean, did you know that this much success would happen this soon? Definitely not. The The beginning of the season, kind of, I always joked around about it, you know, and reporters and people would be talking to me and talking about the strikeout numbers, and I'd kind of I'd just laugh because, <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's funny uh, that it's – I really wasn't paying – attention to any of that and obviously starting my big league career you know i was just trying to go out and and uh, produce so 
to to go out and I, you know, I was just trying to execute pitches and, and mixing it up, and I was getting getting a bunch of strikeouts. So I kind of I kind of joke around and laugh with everybody that it was kind of I had a pretty darn pretty darn good start to the season, and then um, yeah, it's I mean I I like strikeouts. Obviously, you know, I go out and I try to I try to strike everybody out. That's kind of that that's the goal. Um, but it just you can't strike everybody out. It doesn't work that way. But so, you struck out but, a lot, Nick. Like, is there any <laughs> is there any strikeout? Like, did you have a a welcome to the big leagues moment that maybe was a strikeout where you said, "Okay, I struck out this individual. I know I can do this." Was there that moment for you, maybe in April with the Marlins? Yeah, honestly, I want to say I want to say it was probably against the Mets. Um, against the Mets, <clears throat> I struck out Cano on a breaking ball mm-hmm. pretty 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 low in the dirt and after afterwards I did reflect a little bit and it's kinda like, hey, they swing at that stuff too up here. Um and so it kinda kinda made me smile a little bit and chuckle. And I was like, dang, they they swing at that too. <laughs> so I mean it was yeah, I mean when you strike out, I mean Robinson Cano, some off the field hiccups, but I mean his stats make him worthy of one day being in Cooperstown or just about being in Cooperstown. So, yeah, I mean, I suppose from your standpoint, you strike out a future Hall of Famer or somebody that's got Hall of Fame-type numbers, yeah, you had to be thinking, heck, my stuff plays up here, no problem. Definitely. It, it, it makes you open your eyes a little bit and kind of, I don't want to say real, relax, but it, it kind of, you know, it does make you relax a little bit. Like, okay, hey, I don't need to do anything different than what I've been doing. So, and that's, and that's something too, that anytime I talk to anybody that get called up for the first time, um, that's why I've, and, and everybody says this too, you know, to, to anybody that gets called up, it's like, Hey, it's the same game, you know, just go, don't try to make your stuff any better. Just go out there, have fun, throw your stuff and, and you'll be okay. But I, I really try to tell, tell new guys, um, I mean, I know I'm still new myself, <laughs> but um, guys getting called up for the first time, I really try to try to tell them and joke around about it a little bit. Like, hey, it's serious. Seriously, just just go go do what you've been doing at every other level. Throw your stuff, and it, it, it'll all be fine. I mean, just another nuts part of that though is like, so you're on the mound at Fenway Park the other day. You guys end up sweeping the Red Sox. Did I see correctly? that you hit 99 on the radar gun at Fenway Park a few days ago. But, like, Nick, it was just, like, five, six years ago you were pitching, like, at where? Like, Dunning Field in St. Paul. Like, I'm just trying I'm just trying to wrap my brain around that, that not that long ago, you know, you're pitching in town ball here in the Twin Cities, and all of a sudden you're on the mound at Fenway Park. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I guess... I guess when I mean when you when you put it like that, it uh, it does it does sound a little wild. Yeah, I mean, what was so, that like? I mean, how how cool was that experience? And I mean, is that just adrenaline kicking in? Did you know that you could hit ninety nine on the gun? So I think I hit. I don't know exactly if I hit ninety nine uh, a couple years ago or not, but it was somewhere ninety eight, ninety nine. Um, I think in my my double A year. So I, I know I know that. It's in there. It just uh, sometimes it, it just doesn't want to come out very often. So it was kind of I was joking around with everybody because um, all the guys were like, "Wow, dude, didn't know you threw that hard." So it was kind of <laughs> I was joking around and telling everybody, "I'm like, hey, don't don't expect that every time I go out there." But so I surprised I surprised myself a little bit. I looked up, I saw 98, and I saw 99. And I was like, "Wow, all right, it's coming out today." So, I, mean, I suppose I it's think, one way to endear yourself with your new teammates, right? Like your raised teammates had to be thinking, "Holy cow, this guy is legit." <laughs> it's not a bad way to not a bad way to come into a new team, that's for sure. And then, did I see that? Okay, so you get traded to the Rays, then you guys had a series like immediately against your former team, the Marlins. You ended up getting a win against the Marlins. Yeah, um, I think it, yeah, it was our first. Uh, I think it was the first game of the two game series. Um, I got in the tie game, and then uh, yeah, ended up my so yeah my first appearance um, at Tropicana 
at home was uh, ended up getting a, getting a W. I mean, that's just, I mean, right? Just another note in your life story that you get traded, and then, like, snap of the fingers, like, within days, you get a win against your former team. Uh, yeah, that was, uh, it was, it was a little, it was a little weird. Um, it was a little weird at first, you know, just a quick turnaround like that to be playing the, playing the Marlins. Um, but once, I mean, on the mound, on the mound, it was fine. It was kind of one of those weird, it was, it was a weird thing, like during the game, um, you know, when we'd score or something like that, my buddy's out on the mound for the Marlins, you know, and I'm rooting for us to score. So <laughs> the, you know, that, that was, that was more weird than actually being out on the mound throwing, um, and, and pitching. Cause it's kind of, you know, when you're out on the mound, it's game time. So it doesn't, doesn't necessarily matter. I'll hit you with two more, Nick, then I'll let you go. So speaking of your yeah, time no in Miami, you were teammates. You were in the bullpen with new Twins reliever Sergio Romo. What was it like being a teammate of Sergio's? Because just talking to him a couple times in the Twins clubhouse, I mean, he is he is the ultimate gift for us reporters, Nick. I mean, he's as entertaining as it gets. Yeah, he definitely he definitely has a lot, lot to say. A lot to say. Um, and he, he's got a lot of knowledge, too, and... He likes to have fun, so I know he he enjoys talking to everybody. And I guess you put it pretty good when you said he's a gift for gift for the reporters. Um, I, I enjoy I enjoyed my time with him a lot. We we had some pretty good baseball conversations, and and not even baseball conversations. We had some good life conversations too. So it it was it was definitely enjoyable, and and he and he was super open too. If you had a question, um, if you had thoughts or, you know, bounce ideas off of them, he was always, he would always sit there and chat. And, um, you know, he, he told me a couple of times too, just from some things that I talked to him about that. He's like, honestly, it helps. You know, he told me this. He's like, it helps me too, because when you ask these questions, it gets me thinking. And then he thinks about this stuff too, you know, because sometimes, Especially, I'm sure when you've been been in the big leagues as long as Romo, that you know you you kind of say you know I don't want to say blank out, but it uh, you know some things you might not think about for a while because they just don't come up. So it was it was cool. I, I had a lot of fun with him. He's a character. Uh, he likes to keep things pretty loose, um, loose and light, and and have fun. And it. And then it's crazy because he flips. He he can do that, you know. And then when when it's game time, or you know, when he's got to get warm, it just flips flips the switch. It's awesome. I love it. Did he wear all the crazy T-shirts down in Miami? Like the few times I've seen him this week in the Twins clubhouse, he always has. I mean, a lot of them I just I couldn't show on TV. Like he had one the other day. It said "sexual preference colon of course." Like he has he has these crazy T-shirts. I mean, he just he seems like just this lovable guy, like a guy you'd want to sit down and have a beer with. Yeah. It, it's funny that you say that about the t-shirts. Cause, uh, I didn't, I didn't notice that. Uh, but I'm sure, I mean, that literally sounds exactly like something that he would wear or, or do, you know, just joking around and having a good time. So <laughs> that, that's fine. I, I couldn't say, I couldn't say that he wore, wore a bunch of crazy t-shirts. But it does. That sounds. I mean, it sounds exactly like him. All right, I'll let you go after this, Nick. Is there is there any part of you that is enjoying the success to be able to tell the Twins organization, Derek Falvey, Thad Levine, hey, I told you so. Like I'm thinking about like this time last year. You're a Triple A All Star. Your numbers were kick ass in Rochester. The Twins should have called you up this time last year. Okay, they choose not to. They should have then called you up. September call-ups, and I get it. They would have had to add you to the 40-man roster, but, hey, give me a, a pencil and, and an eraser. I can create a 40-man spot. So they could have found room for you. They don't. Then in December, they don't add you to the 40-man. They expose you to the Rule 5. That's how you end up with the Miami Marlins. But is there any part of you that says, especially with all the issues the Twins have in their bullpen, especially since the All-Star break, is there any part of you that says, boy, you know, Thad, Derek, 
I should be pitching for you guys right now. See, I told you that I was a really good reliever. You know, it's uh, I do my. It's tough because um, I, I understand baseball and and it's a business. It, you know, so it, it's it's hard for me to to look at it in you know that way. Um, I don't necessarily try to prove people wrong or or that kind of thing either. You know, I just kind of just, hey, take care of myself, go out and do my thing, and, and kind of whatever happens, happens, you know, because it's kind of out of my control. So, um, you know, as far as that, like, obviously I was pretty jacked up last year towards the end of the season because, um, you know, because I kind of figured that I'd, uh, you know, get called up. But, you know, for, for it not to happen, um, I guess maybe it did put a chip on my shoulder a little bit. But ultimately, you know, no matter what, what team I was with, you know, whatever happened for the Rule 5 deadline or whatever, you know, I knew that I was still going to have to be the same guy going into the following year. So, um, you know, I, I, can let the, I can let the Twins feel how they want to feel about it. Um, but, you know, everything, to me, everything happens for a reason. So one way or another, you know, so like getting traded right before the deadline in the off season to the Marlins, they're in the rebuilding stage. You know, I talked to them right away. They're like, Hey, we went to trade it for you. If we didn't think you could have an immediate impact on the team. So just come into spring training, do your thing and, and you got a good shot. So, you know, that was, that was exciting just to know that, you know, in the off season, like, Hey, just go into spring training, do my thing. And, I got a good shot to make the team. So, you know, going to spring training and, you know, do what I can and, you know, make the team. So, um, you know, I don't know if there was more option with the Marlins, you know, to, to make the team is or whatever. So, but, yes, I mean, I couldn't have been, honestly, like I said, everything kind of, to me, I take everything happens for a reason. So, you know, getting traded to the Marlins, and I had a great time with the Marlins, and couldn't be more thankful for them for giving me the opportunity to uh, to start my career this year. And then, you know, I like I just was kind of trying to do my thing this this whole season so far, and then here we are with the Rays, you know, right uh, right in the playoff hunt. So it um, it it's been yeah, it's literally. I mean, I'm I'm excited. To, where I'm at and I'm happy. Like I've, I've had, I've had a super good year with the Marlins and now with the Rays and it, um, you know, it didn't work out with the twins. It didn't work out. So not a, not a big deal to me. I'm in the big leagues. (laughs) You are Nick. And there's a lot of people here in Minnesota rooting for you. Thank you for doing this. I originally told you seven, eight minutes. We end up gabbing for, for close to 20, but you're so darn open. You're so darn honest. I mean, it's refreshing from my standpoint just to have an honest conversation like this. So thank you for giving up 20 minutes of your time. Yeah, Darren, not a problem. I know I kind of laughed when you said seven, eight minutes, dude, because I know I can kind of ramble. So <laughs> well, trust me, I'm guilty on that front as well, Nick. Yeah. So no, no worries. I always enjoy talking to you. One of the good guys in professional sports, former St. Cloud State Husky from Crosby, Minnesota, has spent a lot of time here in the Twin Cities. Tampa Bay Rays reliever Nick Anderson. We'll get to new twin Randy Dobnak in just a second, at least a portion of our conversation we had with Randy going back about six, seven weeks. Plus, we'll get to David Backus of the Boston Bruins, Spring Lake Park High School, Minnesota State Mankato, longtime NHL player. Heck, he just played for the Stanley Cup, right? Weird circumstances playing his former team. So we'll get to David in just a second, but let me tell you about a cause that is near and dear to my heart. Youth Athletics. Heck, I've detailed what my older son, Droogie Drew, Drew, affectionately known as Droogie, is battling with Lyme disease, with some other issues that he is fighting. He is heavily medicated. He, thankfully, can still play his favorite sport, baseball. In fact, we were at Big Willow in Minnetonka last night. He hit a double over the right fielder's head. It was fantastic. I mean, I take such joy in seeing him have so much fun on 
you name it, whether it's the basketball court, the football field, the baseball diamond. I just love, and my younger son plays soccer, plays baseball. So youth athletics is super, super important to me. That's why I am so happy to partner with Hope Fieldhouse. Hope Fieldhouse specializes with athletes with special needs because they are not given the opportunities they deserve. But thankfully, Hope Fieldhouse is doing something about that. The Hope Fieldhouse athletic facility will make sure everyone has a place to play, but first, they need our help. Please donate to the development of our athletes with special needs with a tax-deductible donation at hopefieldhouse.org. They will build it here in the Twin Cities. Friends, this is a much-needed project. You'll be helping a great cause, and any donation of $50 or more gives you a chance to meet Vikings fullback and Hope Fieldhouse supporter C.J. Ham. Go to HopeFieldHouse.org, HopeFieldHouse.org, for more information to help a very worthy cause, athletes with special needs. Coming up, a reliever the Twins have some interest in, and new Twins reliever Randy Dobnak. Welcome back. It's segment number two of the Scoop Podcast right here on Score North. We'll get to David Backus of the Bruins next segment. We'll get to Randy Dobnak of the Twins in just a second. But a few notes on the Twins. They have registered mild interest in free agent reliever Tony Sipp. Also, Greg Holland, who was DFA'd by Arizona the other day, has some fans at Target Field. I still think the Twins roster is pretty fluid. We had Rob Antney, the assistant general manager on this podcast last week. He was open about Bruce Dar Gratterall, who is now activated at Double A Pensacola, I think there's a great chance that Gratterall will be in the Twins bullpen before the year is over. So I'm just saying the Twins roster as we see it right now isn't necessarily the roster we will see maybe even as soon as a couple weeks from now. On the Wolves, Ryan Saunders, head coach, went to Toronto earlier this week to watch Josh Okoge play in an exhibition for Team Nigeria. They signed Callum Martin, the former Butler star, to a two-way contract. Jarrett Culver has been in Las Vegas at the Tim Gergrich Skills Camp. Both Okoge and Kitabates Diop went through that skills camp last year. The feedback so far from somebody I know there has been positive on Culver. On Jalen Noel... It's not a surprise they eventually got to an agreement, but make no mistake, the Wolves never budged. The Wolves would not budge on giving him more than one year guaranteed, but they did give him $1.4 million for this upcoming season. That is a ton for a second-round pick, almost the most of any second-round pick. So the win is Noel gets more money than most second-rounders for this upcoming season, but after that, the Wolves get three team options. Orono native John Lohr, the former Detroit Piston, among other stops, has not received any free agent interest yet. I think that will pick up the closer we get to training camp. I still think John Lohr, with his shooting ability, his ability to be a stretch four, can help someone. So it's actually surprising to me that so far, not one team has registered serious interest. Briefly on the Vikings, it sounds like it's more unlikely than likely that tight end David Morgan can return to practice next week. He underwent minor knee surgery a couple months ago. I think the thought was by middle of August, he would be back practicing. But so far, David Morgan hasn't been able to practice during training camp. I know it's been incredibly frustrating on his end, I would still argue he is their best blocking tight end. I still think he fits into their 53-man roster plans, but at this point with the knee injury, it is very, very frustrating. On the Wilds GM search, I know it came to a bit of a halt this week because Craig Leopold had a previously scheduled vacation, so he went on the vacation. Granted, you can do work while on vacation, but I know in terms of interviewing candidates late this week, that was a no-go. They did request permission to interview Rangers assistant GM Chris Drury, but the Rangers said no. Here's why they said no. The Rangers don't want to lose a guy this late into the offseason, this close to training camp. So while other teams are granting permission to talk to guys, the Wild did run into a roadblock with the New York Rangers. And hey, who can fault the Rangers? This is an atypical situation with a team searching for a GM this close to training camp. So the Rangers are saying, hey, we love Chris Drury. We don't want to lose this guy this close to training camp. So they denied the Wild permission. Briefly on Gophers football, I've heard a lot of good things about Burnsville native linebacker Kamal Martin. Don't sleep on him as an NFL prospect. Tyler Johnson gets love in that regard. Carter Coughlin gets love in that regard, rightfully so. But Kamal Martin is an NFL prospect as well. Another note quickly on the Twins. They did register some interest in playing in that Field of Dreams game next August, one year from now. But Field of Dreams, Major League Baseball, they loved the White Sox connection, so the White Sox are hosting the Yankees next August. If you're wondering why, well, why couldn't the Twins be the White Sox opponent, right? The White Sox the home team, the Twins the road team. Well, I think Major League Baseball was looking for the big-time draw 
all. So that's how the Yankees fell into that spot. But the Twins tried. They had interest in being in that game at Field of Dreams. Target Field is a field of dreams for new Twins reliever Randy Dobnak. Started the season at High A Fort Myers. So one heck of a climb over four months. He has earned this opportunity. He's been starting along the way, but for now, he's in the Twins bullpen. He's got one heck of a story. Undrafted out of high school, undrafted out of college, pitched at a Division II school, pitched in Utica, Michigan in this small independent league. The Twins somehow tracked him down. He fought his way through the Twins organization the last couple years, and he has finally made it to the major leagues. One heck of a story. I had Randy on Scoop Podcast episode 238 right after the NBA draft. You want to go back, listen to the whole conversation. It's a fascinating conversation, not because of me, not because of my line of question, just because Randy is that articulate, is that good at laying out his phenomenal story. Here is a portion of that conversation. I began by asking Randy just to lay out his journey that led him being to the Twins organization. Yeah, so coming out of high school, Allen had one offer for college, which was this really small school, Division Two in the middle of nowhere, West Virginia, called Alderson Broadus. Probably never heard of it. A lot of people never have. It's in 30, 30 minutes off the back road on top of Mountaintop. But uh, mm. I ended up going there for four years. Um, I started all four years. Our, we, had, we had a weird schedule, so we would play doubleheaders on Friday and Saturday. That was a scheduled time anyway. But most of the time, it ended up being Sunday or Monday because of rain or whatever, snow. But I went there for four years. Uh, after that, I ended up going to a another small independent league team up in Michigan called the United United Shores Professional Baseball League. And the only reason I got into that league is because my, the coach of the team I played for, the Unic Unicorns, played with me in my first two years of college. And his, his son's name was Dan Essien. His name is Jim Essien. He's also a former big league uh, catcher, big league manager. I think it was back in the 70s and 80s. He played for the Reds, played for the White Sox. I think he managed for the Cubs and whatnot. But we were all out to dinner one night mm-hmm. by, uh, after the freshman year conference tournament. And he was like, hey, after you're done with college, if you don't get drafted, I want you to come play for me. I was like, okay, yeah, see what happens. And sure enough, Senior year came around, draft came around, didn't hear my name. And I gave him a call out. Or he called, he called me. He's like, "You ready to do this?" I was like, "Yep, I'll be there tomorrow." <laughs> so I went up there. <laughs> I ended up playing up. I think I had four or five starts up there. I was there for about a month, and um, the Twins came calling. And within a month, I was from West Virginia, middle of nowhere, to Elizabethan, Tennessee, playing playing professionally for the first time for the Twins. All right, so Randy, so the Twins find you, they call you. How exactly did they find you in Michigan, in that league, and how jarring was it? I guess two-part question, just following up on everything you just laid out. How jarring was it that you didn't get drafted? I mean, the draft is so many rounds. Was the expectation that, indeed, you would get drafted? Um, I talked to a lot, of, a, lot a few different teams for like six or seven. Uh, the Blue Jays followed me for about three years I'd say but every time nobody ever came to see me play because every time they would plan on it we'd either get rained out snowed out it'd be a chance of rain chance of this and that so they didn't really have to come see me play that I know of but I never talked to the twins until well, I never even talked to the twins until the day they called me to sign me up in uh, Indie Ball because when I was there I got I got a phone call one morning and out of, out of the blue they're like hey we're going to sign you I was like Sure. <laughs> <Let's do this>. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you Before had no that. inclination at all that they were even scouting you? I mean, clearly, they had one or multiple scouts watching you, right? They had some sort of book on you, but really, until that phone rang and it was the Minnesota Twins, you had no clue? I had no clue. That morning, wow. the uh, one of the people higher up in the, the league called me and said, hey, the Twins want to talk to you, whatever. And I was like, okay. So I gave, And then, like, ten minutes later, the guy from the uh, scouting director uh, Billy Milos, he called me. He was the one that signed me. Well, he was a scout that signed me. I, I forget who the guy was that originally, like, because the whole management switched over like, the year after. It did. It might have been Brad Style back then. I think, yeah, that's, that's exactly what it was. That's right. But um, they gave me a call, and they're like, would you want to sign? I'm like, um, absolutely. <laughs> but this was, was like 9 a.m. one morning. I was up eating breakfast, whatnot, getting ready for the day. And all of a sudden, Everything just flipped the switch, and I was like, oh, my God, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, what... It was pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, what was your first reaction? I mean, 
the journey you've taken, finally joining organized baseball, right? Affiliated, I guess, might be the better way to put it. Affiliated mm-hmm. baseball, joining a major league organization. I mean, just how eye-opening was it when you got to Elizabethton? I mean, it was it was crazy. I had I had never expected anything like that before. I mean, in college, I knew I pitched well, but I never really understood. Like, I never knew how it all worked because nobody ever like knew was ever drafted or ever. You know, I never talked to them about it, and just the way it went about, just so quickly, I was like, "Wow, this is crazy!" And then once I got to Elizabeth, I was like, "Wow, this is actually happening and whatnot." And seeing all the guys there, I was like, "This is something I can only dream of." <laughs> Hopefully within that snippet, you got some sense of just the amazing journey that Randy Dobnak has taken to land right now in the Twins bullpen. Again, he was on episode 238 right after the NBA draft. So the full interview is available. The episode is archived. You can easily find it. Just do a Google search, Scoop Podcast, Randy Dobnak, to hear the entire conversation. When we come back, we'll catch up with Spring Lake Park High School grad, David Backus of the Boston Bruins. It's final segment time of the Scoop Podcast right here on Score North and scorenorth.com. I spent the morning bonding with David Backus. He was a star at Spring Lake Park High School, then at Minnesota State Mankato. He was a top 100 pick of the St. Louis Blues, climbed his way through the Blues organization, was a legend in St. Louis, then a couple years ago signed a pretty big free agent contract with the Boston Bruins. So he is now entering, what, year four of that contract with the Boston Bruins. It was a weird year this past year. He was in and out of the line up in the playoffs. He lays it all out. The main reason I caught up with David was him and his wife are hosting an event coming up on the 18th, nine days from now, at Mississippi Gardens, right there off 610, Jordan Leopold and his wife's place. They do a great job hosting all sorts of events. Anyway, there are tickets available. David and his wife, Kelly, raise all sorts of money and awareness about dogs, well, animals in general, but really dogs that need homes. You know, raising money for rescue organizations, for animal shelters. They just, they have this big time love for animals. It's gone back many, many years. So that was the genesis of the conversation. But after we talked about his love for dogs and his event on the 18th, we transitioned to his year with the Bruins, playing for Stanley Cup and much more. My conversation with David Backus. All right, David, before we get to the event on the 18th, let's just circle all the way back, whether it was your days at Spring Lake Park High School, in Mankato, maybe even before then. Where did your passion for animals, particularly dogs, where where did it start? It started in Mankato when we were, my wife and I were in school and we were renting places and couldn't really adopt an animal of our own. So we were able to volunteer at a shelter and kind of get the feel for the shelter life and what goes on behind the scenes and really develop a compassion for animals that are in need of homes or that aren't in their forever homes yet. So, I mean, it was like when you were, what, like 20, 21, when you actually even first adopted a dog, rescued a dog? Uh, right after I signed my first contract, uh, yeah, we rescued our first uh, cats first, actually. We got two cats, one from up here in the cities. I think it was at a PetSmart adoption event. And then the second one in Mankato we got uh, right as we were moving my wife out of her apartment. Okay, and then, okay, so then you get cultivated in the St. Louis organization. You come all the way up and and you started to do stuff then in St. Louis is that when it really started to resonate with you and and really wanting to help animals and getting the word out yeah we really you could see in the in the midwest uh, typically Missouri's kind of known as the puppy mill capital of the the US so there's a lot of homeless animals a lot of needless euthanasia and a lot of dogs that just need somebody to care for them and we were able to provide that and it really lit a spark under us of how we can make a change in this this cause that needs somebody to speak up for it and from that uh we developed athletes for animals the charity that we run now and i mean it really ramped up then was it the olympics sochi 2014 when when really it started to really really ramp up that was really our our public uh, unveiling of what we're doing when we were in Sochi with all the homeless animals uh, was kind of a microcosm of what we do when my wife was able to get together with a bunch of other NHL wives that were there with other countries, teams, with the U.S. wives and find a way to get a couple of these animals back to the U.S., tell their stories and be able to you know, shed a light on some of the work that needs to be done around the world. 
So, okay, so you bring back a couple dogs. Did they end up at your house? Where did they end up? They ended up in a quarantine uh, per regulations for 30 days. And then Kevin Shattenkirk, parents took one. And then Derek Stepan, a Minnesota native, who will be at the event coming up, uh, he took the other one. So they're, we still get updates, and they're, they're amazing dogs that have learned English and learned to love their lives that they've uh, fell into. All right, so, but on your home front, how many dogs, how many cats, how many animals at the back is household right now? Yeah, at the time we got back from Sochi, we had four dogs and two cats, so we were, we were not looking to add another one. Now we have two dogs, two cats, and two kids, so we're, we're still full at the end, but my wife is constantly trying to look for another foster opportunity or a way to help uh, an animal in need. And then, okay, so the event on the 18th at, at the Leopold's Place, Mississippi Gardens, right? Yeah. Sunday the 18th, okay, Sunday the 18th. Tickets still available for, for the public and just, you know, just set up the event for, for people that are interested. Yeah, it's a wine tasting event with uh, some high-end wines. There's going to be 12 to 14 NHLers, including Zach Parisi and Jason Zucker from the from the Wild. Uh, you know, Nate Prosser and Ryan Carter used to play here. Uh, Derek Stepan, myself, Ryan McDonough. Uh, we hopefully got enough uh, high-profile NHLers for people to just hang with, shoot the bull, have a glass of wine, have some great food, and then there'll be adoptable animals, some walking entertainment. It's it's a great evening to raise funds for a, a worthwhile cause and have a have a great time while you're doing it. Yeah, I mean, on the great time, I mean, you guys are all outgoing. I mean, the beauty is for for people that are interested. It's not like you guys are going to be like in a VIP corner or no, something. No. I mean, you're going to be interacting with everybody. This is uh, all you know, it's full access, take pictures, maybe a small amount of autographs if, if that's what uh, you'd prefer. But, yeah, it's, it's shoot the bull and tell guys that you're, you're happy with how they're playing, your, your thoughts for the next year, or just say hi and, and thank them for the, the hard work that they do uh, put onto the ice. What year is this for the event? Year two. So our first year was wildly successful. We sold out last year at the Mississippi Gardens and looking to have the same sort of turnout this year. All right, so how's it evolved? I mean... Think about last year. How is it changing this year? Uh, we're we're loosening up a lot or tightening up a lot of the loose ends that we had last year. It was the first year as as anything. You you reflect and you want to do things better. So we're um, hopefully having more access, more athletes, uh, more opportunities to to give in different ways and create silent auction items with experiences from all the four major sports teams: uh, the Wolves, the Twins, the Wild, and the uh, Vikes are all part of amazing experiences where you're going to be able to get on on the field or on the bench for one of those events and we'll auction those off and continue to to do the great work that uh, we feel we're called to do you have somebody helping you i mean is it just you your wife reaching out hey you know do you call zach personally and say hey zach are you free on the 18th can you be here i mean what's it like just just everything that goes into setting up an event like this yeah it's it's 95 percent my wife doing the legwork and she's amazing at doing that uh but yes it's us calling i'm calling zach she's calling alicia his wife and we're we're putting the 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 pressure on them to continue to you know be involved in, in what we're doing and helping out the animals and uh, we were the people doing all the work on the back end as well setting up the vendors and setting up the you know wine to be there and all the lighting and the ice sculptures and the photo booths and all that stuff so it's a, a labor of love and um, we just promise to the public that any donations or any money that we get in from the public will go back out in the form of grants so that uh, it can do great work with animals all right so if people want more information is there our website what's the best way for people to find out more yeah, you can search for it on eventbrite.com or go to our website athletesforanimals.org and search away and and please join us for a great evening of of animals and wine and and helping out animals all right so inevitably there will be some fans there that will come up to you and say hey david tell us about last year yeah. i mean it was for lack of a better term an interesting year for you at the boston bruins what would you tell those people when they say hey david tell us about your season last season yeah, that's a good qualifier, and, and last season was interesting. It was a, a little bit of a, I don't want to say flashback, but a, a relapse to earlier in my career. I feel like it's not Benjamin Button, but I've gone from, you know, kind of the full circle of, you know, trying to earn a spot to then being a regular, and then now it's back to, I feel like I've got to fight, scratch, and claw for every second of getting on the ice. That being said, we were able to make it to Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final and uh, be one game away from winning a Stanley Cup. And that was a, it was an amazing experience, but a ton of heartache at the end as well. So uh, trying to compartmentalize all that and deal with it and then be ready for next season so that we can hopefully do it again and get that last game won so we can, can raise that cup and, and have, a, have a ring. 
and also dealing with the fact that, I mean, it was a roller coaster, right? I mean, not only were you playing your former team, the team that you're known for, right? Like when you're done, everybody's going to remember David Backus, St. Louis Blues, not necessarily Boston Bruins, but the roller coaster of you're in the lineup, you're out of the lineup, and then at the end, you're out of the lineup. I mean, what was that roller coaster like? Yeah, that's, I always say there's layers to that where it's my 13th season in the NHL, my first time in the finals, then it's got to be against the former team that I played for. Then we end up going seven games. I don't end up playing in the last three. So there's mixed emotions. I was kind of a spectator and part of me feels like um, actually internally that I'm still in a, you know, a series where it's two to two because that was the last time I played when it was a tied series at two two. So. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a lot to wrap my head around. Uh, happy for the city of St. Louis. I think they needed a, a Stanley Cup, but it would have been nice if they got in an alternate year as, as the Boston Bruins and not while we were playing each other. So, uh, yeah, I guess those are all my thoughts kind of wrapped into one long monologue that um, I'm, I'm still a little, I don't want to say scorn, but, uh, you know, would like my opportunity to throw everything I had at a, you know, game six or seven and try to try to win that thing. And, and potentially the one opportunity that I have, you know, if you get there one in 13 years, chances you have in your last couple, who knows, but uh, hopefully you get that opportunity, but would love to, you know, get that crack and either have that triumph or have that, you know, kind of punch in the gut when it was at my hands and not just being a spectator. Did you know, I mean, what was the communication like after you play in game four that you weren't going to play in game five? And then were you thinking after you guys lost game six that, okay, maybe they'll shake it up. Maybe I'll get back in there for game seven. Uh, so game four was when Char broke his jaw in St. Louis. So um, for some miraculous uh, act of humanity, he was able to play in game five. And with him being a little questionable, I'd say, for any normal human of, you know, can he finish the game? And they were they were after our defense when we had Grizzly that was concussed earlier in the series. So uh, we dressed 7D and I was the odd man out from forward. So I, you know, can maybe swallow that. We end up losing that game, um, game five. And then game six, we're back in St. Louis. And I was unsure for that game. Z finished the whole game. Um, and it was a decision they had to make and they dressed Carson Kuhlman instead of me to go with more speed and, and youth in the lineup and we ended up winning the game, I think five to one, pretty handily. So Yeah, that's right. Okay, you guys yeah yeah, well, you won game six to force the game seven. Correct. So going back to Boston, um, you know, I've been around the game a long time. If you win a game five to one with a certain lineup, the chances of changing it for a game seven were very small in my opinion. Uh, didn't really get the word until the morning of game seven, but uh, that was kind of my thought process just based on my history with the game. My only, you know, kind of reservation was that maybe they know it's going to be a game seven where officials are going to probably not bring their whistles on the ice at all. And maybe I can make a bigger difference in a game that was not officiated tightly and, you know, with experience and you know, a lot more on the line than maybe anyone else in the whole building uh, be able to get that opportunity. It didn't come, so I was I was spectating and being down two nothing after the first period. I actually I had to wear a mouth guard up in the press box because I I was chomping my jaw down so hard and it was getting sore. So I I was trying to change a mojo. I ended up in a locker room for game uh, for the second period and just never changed. Uh, we never got you know, had that push to get back into that game. And um, so they got to celebrate and we got to have the sorrows. But uh, yeah, it was quite the, the roller coaster, as you say, and, you know, wrap that all into, you know, lingering into the summer and, and motivation for next year. And, um, you know, back to my earlier comments that I feel like I've got to earn every shift, every ounce of ice and feel like I've put more work in this summer than I have in a lot of other summers that were even longer. So I'm, I'm feeling good going into the season and hopefully uh, I get that opportunity to prove myself that I'm still a very viable option and, and can help this team win moving forward or help, uh, you know, could have maybe helped the team win in that game seven. Is the proving more so proving to yourself, proving to the organization? proving to the naysayers. I mean, you've seen the rumors out there, right? There's been rumors about the Bruins trying to trade you. They've got, what, some restrictive free agents they're trying to re-sign. There's some, some cap crunching going on. There's been rumors that 
that the Bruins would like to shed your contract? Like, just uh, how do you how do you wrap your brain around all that? Yeah, it's it's proving. I, I think I've always believed in myself and my abilities. It's just having that opportunity and proving that when I get that opportunity, that I can still be viable and and relevant and be a positive contributing factor. And um, you know, I don't know how that shakes out. It's the business side that I haven't been seen in for you know my whole career. So now when it's it's those stories are being written. I don't know that they're all objective. Some are very subjective in my opinion. I know I'm biased as well, but uh, I want to prove to the doubters. I want to prove to anyone who's said that I'm, I'm past where I could be and um, all I can do is control my abilities, my training, my work ethic, and when I get that opportunity, uh, make the most of it. Anything you're fine-tuning this summer, like when you're here in the weight room, when you're on the ice? I mean, you said it 13 years. Like, are you still learning different traits of the game, or at this point, is it more about just fine-tuning some things and getting in tip-top shape? Yeah, a little bit different training uh, with a, a new training staff in, in Boston where it seems to be a lot more efficient and a lot more movement-based where I'm... Um, more flexibility and, and moving weight quicker rather than just trying to bulk up which has been years past kind of working out like a football player now it's more hockey specific and moving faster to try to you know keep up with the game as they say it keeps getting faster and to supplement that i've uh, started taking skating lessons again and at 35 that was a very humbling experience but i think it's been very necessary and i've noticed some some good leaps and bounds in my skating ability and just things that i probably taken for granted of being in the NHL for so long of going back to the basics and edge work and starts and all those things of this does feel better but I didn't even know how bad I was at some of those things when you join the ice with 12 year old girls and it's it's they're doing stuff and you're like oh, I forgot that this is a, a very relevant uh, quality to skating and, and finding pure edges and being able to you know just just do my thing on the ice and get to pucks quicker and get to spots quicker. Let you after this, and I guess a, a two-parter. How much more do you have? I mean, do you want to play until you're 37, 38? I mean, do you still have a few years left? And heck, I mean, even after 13 years, you think about it. It's not like you were a top 10 pick. Not like you were the 200th pick in the draft, but you weren't a top 10 pick. I don't know if a lot of people thought coming out of Spring Lake Park High School that you would play 13 years in the NHL, even maybe after year one or maybe even year two in Mankato, that you would have this sort of career. So just how, how gratifying is it that you've been able to play this long, have the success at the highest level, wearing USA across your chest? I mean, you've accomplished so much. So how much pride can you take in that? But also, is there still more you want to accomplish? Yeah, I guess I've always been hesitant to look back and kind of see some of those accomplishments and I don't want to feel that kind of, I don't want to say comfort, but that relaxation of looking back and be like, oh, this is, this has been such a great career. I think there'll be a, certainly a time for that when it's all said and done, but I want complacency to set in or to think that it's over until I've you know skated my last shift. So uh, I do feel like I've got two years left under contract. I'd like to play both of them out and be a relevant player for both and um, maybe evaluate after that, but I don't think that you know there's anything in me that says I need to play till I'm 40 by any means so I'd like to pour everything I have into you know two great last years hopefully win a Stanley Cup be a contributing factor maybe you know teacher teach and mentor some of the younger kids that are uh, coming into the league and what it means to be a pro and what it takes to you know stay relevant or play 12 14 15 years in the league and uh, leave leave the next generation in a great spot to take over and and bow out gracefully that was David Backus of the Boston Bruins. We are done. Have a great weekend, everyone.